This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we preview the NESCAC championships for the rowing teams. Plus, senior captain Preston Hall capped off his Bates golf career on a high note, and the track and field teams are in full gear. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The lacrosse teams wrapped up their seasons last week with the women and men nearly pulling off big rallies against their respective opponents. The women hosted number eight nationally ranked Colby Friday night and fell behind by 10 goals. But the Bobcats rallied and cut the deficit to four with 12.59 remaining in the game. Colby then hung on to defeat Bates 14 to 10. The men's lacrosse team visited Connecticut College on Saturday and found themselves down by five in the fourth quarter. Bates rallied to score the final four goals of the contest including three from junior Jackson Sell. But the Camels hung on for a 13-12 win over the Bobcats. The women finished the abbreviated season with a record of 2-3, and three, and the men finished 1-3. and three. Softball also wrapped up its season over the weekend, with the Bobcats dropping a pair of games at Bowdoin and one to Trendy before bouncing back in the season finale to defeat the Bantams 11-2 in five innings. Senior Peyton Buxton tossed a complete game for Bates to earn the win in her final appearance in the circle as a Bobcat. Trinity came out really hot in the first game. I knew that I was going to have to give it my all in the circle to shut him down the next game. And everyone on the team just really, really wanted it because it was the last game of the season, senior day. You know, you could just tell that there was a certain intensity going into the second game where everyone just really wanted to win. How much are you watching the Trinity hitters? You know, you probably knew coming in you are going to pitch the game too. So how, how much were you watching those Trinity hitters in game one? What were some things you picked up perhaps? Um, well, I noticed in the first game, they were hitting a lot through the five, six hole to the left side of the field. So I was talking to my catcher um, in the bullpen before game two. I was saying, let's go outside, outside, outside until they make us come inside. And obviously that worked. Uh, any particular, I mean, it was a complete game, five inning victory for Bates. Um, any particular moment stand out for you in the circle that, you know, you, you kind of remember from that game? One thing that I remember specifically was um, a ball hit to the outfield. Trinity hit a ball to the outfield. And our outfielder threw home and our first baseman cut off the throw and threw back to second to get a runner out on the tag. And it just really fired up the whole team. It was like, it was huge. It really pumped us all up. Excellent. So uh, tell me a little bit about, take us back to when you were looking for colleges. You're from Middlebury, Vermont. Uh, What made Bates kind of the place for you when you first decided to come to school here? Um, Well, first of all, I really knew that I wanted to come to a NESCAC for the academics, you know, the good athletics but when I stepped onto the Bates campus for a tour I don't know how to explain it but I just kind of knew you know what I mean just felt like the right place for me and then your first year obviously a a great season for the Bobcats I mean uh, how fondly do you look back on that uh, you know that rookie season for you if you will oh you know that was a great year really great introduction into the program we had a lot of fun a lot of wins played well together Um, it's a really great time and those three pitchers obviously you Jeevan and also KP, what was your dynamic like? What was your relationship like together? Um, we were really close, actually. We did a lot of like pitcher dates where the three of us would just like go out for food or like ice cream or something like that. We'd hang out. We always had each other's backs. You know, one of us through game one, we'd talk in between games and be like, hey, this is what I saw with the batters. Like, this is what you might want to do. We were just always really helping each other out really close, like really great friendship. And we're all still pretty close today. Great. You also got some chances to hit during your time as a Bobcat. How, how do you balance practicing, you know, pitching versus uh, hitting, perhaps? I put in a lot of time for both, actually. Um, a lot of, especially in the offseason, a lot of time, extra time hitting, um, just like going to the hitting facility, getting a lot of reps, and then obviously pitching, too. I'd be in, between pitching and hitting, I'd be in there like four or five times a week, just getting extra reps, you know. And then in practice in the season, we would do these live hitting pitching practices where I'd end up doing both. Like I'd pitch for a little bit, hit for a little bit, and, you know, really just like split practices up that way, kind of. Great. And then last year, obviously, the team was off to a very strong start. Unfortunately, then obviously the season got shut down. I mean, if you want to take us back, how, you know, when you were in Florida and you weren't going to play anymore, what was going through your mind? How did you stay focused throughout the, off, the long offseason before this year? 
that was a really devastating week. We were having such a great time in Florida and then to be sent home was really crushing. So coming into this season, I knew that like nothing is guaranteed. So you have to make everything count. So that really pushed me to work hard in the off season. And then, um, you know, memorable games for you during your time as a Bobcat, obviously this past weekend has to be up there, but uh, what were some other memorable games for you? I think last year throwing a complete game, one hitter, throwing a no hitter, obviously up there. (laughs) Freshman year when we beat Tufts, you know, KP pitched her hard out. She did so great. And the team really had her back. Like that was such a memorable win. Tufts is a great team and we really battled hard to win that. Yeah, and, and during your time, the Bobcats have beaten every team in your division at least once, um, including Bowden there uh, a couple of years back as well. But, I mean, what was it like competing in the NESCAC for you? I mean, obviously, it's a very high-level competition, isn't it? Yeah, it was definitely um, a big change of pace for me. You know, I went to high school in Vermont. You don't see really that level of competition. And then um, even just the difference between non-conference play and conference play is huge. Like, the NESCAC is so talented, and I really – appreciated playing such good competition because it only makes you better great what was maybe your favorite part of being on the Bates softball team what do you enjoy the most about it um honestly just our team time you know our team is so close and so fun like our time in the locker room was always so fun or like our trips to Florida just hanging out like doing stuff together on the weekends I just I love my teammates so much they're so fun all so close and yeah I think that's been my favorite part about Bates softball. And then there's five seniors, obviously, um, for the Bobcats. And so as a senior class, what's the dynamic like? And then what were you trying to maybe impart on some of the younger players? Because they haven't had, even the sophomores, right, haven't had that much experience so far. Um, well, we really split up the leadership this year as a, like, kind of group of leaders instead of having captains, because we all lead so differently and in very important ways. I guess our biggest task this year was to let the underclassmen know we're totally here for them. We want to support them. Um, You know, a lot of people didn't really have much experience on the team. We were just kind of trying to prepare them to take on leadership roles going into the future. Well, I mean, any other thoughts you wanted to share about this past weekend and that and the game you pitched against the Bantams we haven't gotten to talk about? I just want to say that I'm really proud of my team. You know, we really turned things around between games. We this season we kind of struggled a bit with timely hitting and it finally all clicked in the in the second game you know we had like we had 10 hits no errors it really just finally all came together and I'm just so proud of everyone for battling through all the adversity like our two-week lockdown um, you know injuries people were put all over the field in places where they had never played before because we didn't have our full team we would play four games in a weekend with three pitchers you know just a lot going against us, but we really stuck through it all and gave it our all. And I'm just really proud of the team. Great. Peyton Buxton, thank you so much for joining the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. The golf teams competed at NESCAC event number two and first year Alex Boyd Shelley impressed again for the women, finishing tied for 11th among 28 golfers. Overall, Voigt Shelley's performances over the two weeks was good enough for second team all NESCAC honors. On the men's side, Senior captain Preston Hall pulled off a dramatic turnaround from a week ago. After not even contributing to the team scoring in the first NESCAC event, Hall won the second NESCAC event with an even par 72 at Ledges Golf Club in South Hadley, Massachusetts. Overall, the Bates men's golf team finished in seventh at NESCAC event number two, four strokes out of fourth place. And for winning medalist honors in his final event as a Bobcat, Preston Hall is our male Bobcat of the week. What was the big difference between one week to another for you, you think? In all honesty, it was mostly off the tee and putting, but mostly off the tee. First week, I, I don't even know the last time I shot in the 90s, but I was just always in the trees, and they were they were pretty dense. So you'd go and look for it, and even if you play a like provisional ball, if you go to look for your other one and find it, you have to play it. So I'd go and find my first ball and go into these trees, and it's this soggy, muddy stuff. It's really dense. You have a weird, awkward swings, and it would just <laughs> take me multiple shots to get out in the first place, and then I'm already, you know, well behind and really not looking at a par save there. So that was really what I don't know, kind of put me in the dumps in the first week. But then this past week, I mean, you mentioned off the team drives were finding the fairway. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, I hit hit I think like 13 fairways. Um, I only missed two. 
and they I it was because I ran through them actually on it, it wasn't it wasn't bad I missed them in fine places which is really all you're looking for just good misses last week I just was not finding misses that were helping me out at all so really that was that was the big difference maker for me and what about the hole there was a hole that you got a 10 on last week and then you birdied it this week I mean, I don't know if you want to relive the 10, but maybe <laughs> what, what, what was, what about that particular hole? A dramatic difference, obviously. It was a par five, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I was thinking about that hole all week because uh, <laughs> I hit driver on, um, I hit driver the first week and tugged it just a little bit to the left and it carried this bunker and like skipped forward into the trees and I went to look for it. Um, and I found it and it was only, it was only two feet into the trees, but um there were all these branches all over the place you know like really soggy and muddy and just uh, leaves all over and it took me four shots to get out and I ended up having to punch backwards and I had this weird hanging lie over my like um uh, probably like at my waist <laughs> I have swinging at my waist so ended up hitting one down towards the green and then chipped up and like four putted or three putted some some like ridiculous number that it was just a total <laughs> domino effect. But then this this past week, it's actually it was actually a pretty wide fairway. It looked much wider the second time I saw it, which is nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I hit the hit hit my first drive down the fairway, um, and then uh, on the second hole, I again hit it right where I was looking. So I was pretty feeling pretty good with my driver. I was debating hitting three wood all week. So I just sort of said, as long as I don't miss left, I'm pretty okay with this because it would feed back, feed back off the right slope for me. So that's what I did. And I almost, um, I almost got there in two. I got kind of a soft bounce, uh, but I was like right side of the fairway, but I got kind of a soft bounce off my second shot and I would have ran up to the green, but a uh, little chip and a putt and it's very, it's golf, golf was easy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, you know, looking at the, the team as a whole, obviously, um, as a senior captain, it must be nice to see the first year get their first experience in a NASCAR event. What was it like seeing what they were able to do? Oh, I'm I'm so proud of them. We have such a good base for just our freshmen coming up and making a good program, and just they're all really solid. They're just a really good group of kids, uh, and I think everybody was able to contribute to the, the score. But I think. You got a bunch of people shooting in the 70s and potential low 70s once they get more college experience, I'd say. It's just a good, good group to have coming up into the base college golf team. I'm just looking forward to see how they how they progress because they have a lot of potential. Excellent. Now, so even par <laughs> for you, um, which was good enough to be first place, was this a particularly difficult course or, or is even par typically something that's going to get you top five at this level, you think? I'd say even even par is probably gonna be it's gonna be pretty solid on on any on any course around in the tournaments we're playing. It's gonna get you pretty far up there. Someone's gonna have to have a good round to you know really really beat that, um, which which happens. But like that, that's pretty solid. I guess it wasn't for me. It was it was a pretty short course. Um, so I knew if I was going to drive it well, I was going to have a lot of short irons in. And those are, that's like my biggest strength is my, my short irons and wedges. So when I was hitting the ball well and into the fairway into places where I can actually score, I was putting the ball really close. And that, that's, that was really a difference maker for me. As long as I wasn't struggling with my driver, I was able to really score. If you were missing, it was, it wasn't fun because there are a lot of places that probably should have been staked off as hazards, but they, they just weren't, they, they were just. Uh, if you couldn't find your ball, it was lost. Or if you found it, it was in the trees, you couldn't take a drop and you ended up having to kind of duff it out. Um, so if you found yourself off, it was, it was dangerous for a big <laughs> number. Um, at least what I found. Um, so yeah, the damage control was kind of hard if you missed, but if you were driving it well, you had a lot of chances to score. Where would you rank this among rounds of golf you've played? I mean, is this near the top? You, you got first and uh, so that's obviously huge. That's is that your first time uh, being a medalist at Bates, I think. Yeah, yeah, first time being a medalist here. Uh, definitely, this is. It was definitely one of my best ball striking rounds I've ever had. I just, um, I was just hitting it 
extremely well. Wasn't really missing any shots badly. My my misses were fine, which is exactly what you want. If it's it's really about your misses. If your misses are okay, then you can always you can always manage. And my good shots were just they were really good. I had like three separate. Well, I guess the chip on the par five. I almost hold, and then um, there were two other holes. Uh, that I put it to like two feet, foot and a half. And another one was actually number number eleven. I think I made a double or a triple the the week prior to, and I birdied it. I put it to like this far, and it was like a really weird, wonky driving hole that just was not appealing to the eye. So I was very happy with that one. But yeah, really good, really good ball striking. Uh, one of my best rounds off the tee, I'd say. Very confident. Now I I just wasn't really expecting a miss if it was going to happen. Did you like having a week between rounds, if you will, I guess, because they, they do combine the scores and everything. I mean, did, was that a good thing? I mean, because normally that doesn't, this is kind of different this year, right? I didn't mind it. Uh, there's always kind of a nice, it, it's, it's, it's always been kind of nice to be able to stay over and I guess have that experience with the team. But right. I guess if I were to pick, I'd, I'd probably have wanted the two days just because we wouldn't have to make the big trek every, you know, early in the morning. That was kind of a drag, but I don't mind one day tournaments. They're, they're all right. Um, what was weird about this week is actually I got my COVID vaccine. Oh, uh, I got my COVID vaccine on Saturday. So I was, I was like kind of feeling it. It was, it was not first or second dose. Second dose, second dose. Oh, so you were playing yeah. right after you got in your second dose. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was like <laughs> very lethargic, like kind of, tired just all kind of dead really my arm was sore I was you know they say they say beware the sick golfer and I guess it's kind of a testament to that that's interesting so you weren't even feeling you obviously were not because I've had two doses as well and after that second dose was not feeling well I don't know if I could have played a round of golf I can't play around yeah. golf when I'm healthy I don't know about after <laughs> but I mean yeah, I mean it was definitely weird I, I was I was nervous going up there <laughs> especially the night before like is this gonna like hit me tomorrow as I'm playing <laughs> but once I once I got out in the fresh air and started kind of getting the blood flowing it was fine it really wasn't too bad um except for the soreness in the arm uh, but yeah kind of leading up to it I was, I was a little nervous thinking like what am I gonna feel like <laughs> what's it gonna what's it gonna do to me so why do they say beware the sick golfer I'm curious about you oh, I, it's just this, it's just kind of a funny uh, sort of saying that they have. And for some reason, there's some phenomenon in golf where, you know, someone who comes out there not feeling too well, or just not for some reason at their best tends to have some incredible round. <laughs> they tend to, <laughs> tend to do very well. It's just a weird phenomenon. And clearly was backed up this past weekend. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm curious, when did you find out you actually won the event? Like, when, when did you learn that? I was, I was feeling pretty good after, the, after our, our last guy came in because there was another player who was or maybe our second-to-last player. There was a guy in his group who had a pretty good round going, and he finished, like, eagle birdie birdie. Mm. Um, so I was like, all right, well, that might have derailed me because I knew I, was, I had a good round in relation to the field. It was, it was also a pretty hard day. It was windy and started raining. Yeah, uh, so the greens got slower. I wasn't really sure when we left. So then I took a nap and I woke up, and uh, I had, I had kept that first place that I'd kind of been watching. <laughs> so they had officially posted. Nice. I took a nap. <laughs> there you go. Wake, good thing to wake up to. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the round, or um, obviously if you're being a senior, any other thoughts you want to share about your time as a Bobcat golfer? One interesting thing about the round uh, that. <laughs> I had gotten it to two under at that at that par five, and I almost got it to three on the next hole. And then I um, I hit one into the into a bunker on on the short par three. I, I just wrong club choice. I left a little short and went into the bunker. And the bunker had had a lot of rocks in it, and you were allowed to move the rocks. But mine came to my ball came to rest on the back of another one. I guess there was a rock underneath it, sort of keep. So if I would have moved it, it would have uh, moved the ball, and I so I couldn't. So I was thinking, oh, I'll just take the rock with it. Um, I'll just, you know, kind of swing, swing it and like see what happens. It could do anything, but I just need to get it out of the bunker. I take a swing at this rock and this, it was, this rock was huge. I don't know how it was, how it was buried in this bunker or how they thought that was okay to play with, but I, my ball, it hardly got out. It was still in the rough. 
hardly got out. I, I took out this rock that was a large rock the size of a small rock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, um, <laughs> yeah, and then I like, and then I three putted, made a double bogey. I was back at even, and then I three putted the next hole, and I was like, all right, I need to keep it together. So I, I was fighting par the whole day after that, which I was, I was really trying to grind to get it back to under par. Um, but in terms of just being a Bates golfer, uh, it's, it's just awesome to have kind of my last tournament finish on a really high note. I've sort of always felt that I could have and should have scored better while I've been playing here. Now, I mean, I've had some, a few good scores out there, but like nothing that I really felt was indicative of how I was kind of playing overall or like just my potential in general. So this was nice to get out there kind of having a mental trophy case. <laughs> Preston Hall, our male Bobcat of the Week. Thank you so much for joining the Bobcats. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Aaron. Appreciate it. In track and field, the Bobcats impressed for the second straight week against rivals Colby and Bowden. On the women's side, senior Ellie Strauss hit a personal record in the javelin throw for the second time in as many weeks, posting a winning throw of 117 feet 8 inches on her sixth and final attempt of the day. Strauss's throw vaulted her from seventh place to third on Bates' all-time performance list in the event. Junior Elise Lambert turned in a huge performance as well, moving up the all-time Bates list in the 800 meters to fourth place with her time of 2 minutes, 14.12 seconds. The time ranks her among the top 20 in Division Three in the event, despite Bates' shortened schedule. And Elise Lambert is our female Bobcat of the Week. I think a big theme this season is just appreciating every opportunity that we have. Um, so this meet like the one we had previously it was just really exciting and really fun to be able to get out on the track um and just be able to do what we do um <laughs> and um really like just i think for a lot of people too we sort of are going into these meets with like very low expectations um just trying to see what we can do given our circumstances and so it's always a pleasant surprise when you're able to um have a good race despite <laughs> everything that we've uh that's sort of been thrown at us this uh this this whole year year and a half um so yeah i'm i'm just really happy that i got the opportunity to race for the throwers the masks are a big deal but for the runners it can be uh quite difficult so for you when you're running 800 I'm sure it's difficult. 1,500, you also run, maybe even more. Uh, tell me about how you're dealing with that. Yeah, um, it's hard. Um, it's hard to breathe, obviously. Um, but it's also, you don't really realize that you're wearing a mask in the moment. Um, you, you, you get into your race and you're so focused on the race that the mask sort of becomes an afterthought. Um, the biggest concern I have with masks is just, I'm always scared that it's going to sort of slip below my nose and I'm going to get disqualified or... Um, I don't know. So it's just, it's all about making minor adjustments as you run. Um, it's not too big of a burden. Um, I like, again, you just, you kind of forget that it's there when you're into a race, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a small concession uh, to have to wear a mask in order to race. And I'm willing to, <laughs> I'm willing to comply. That's a new wrinkle though. If the mask falls below your nose, they might disqualify you. How do they, how do they even judge that? Cause like, I mean, it might briefly like, well, does, that, does that be pretty blatant? How has it been so far? Yeah, um, I think a lot of people have also struggled with this. So I think they're more or less, the officials are kind of lenient with it. Um, it's, we've really just been told, like, it's expected that if your mask does fall, that you pull it back up. Um, so I think that they're really only disqualifying people who actually, like, pull their masks below their chin or, like, right. you can see their whole smile, like, people who are very obviously not following the rules. Um, but I think as long as, if you're an athlete, if you're if you're trying your best to uh, sort of work with this hand that we've been dealt, um, I think that if it'll sort of can cut you some slack. But sure, sure. And then um, for you personally, you know, the 800 and the 1500, how are you approaching training for that? Because obviously, you know, NCAA's. Uh, it sounds like you know Bates will be trying to participate in those this year. So, what should be your approach there between those two races? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been difficult. Um, again, we're really just focusing on being able to race at this point. So yeah. um, I don't know if I've, I've thought much about my goals going forward um, or what I'm working on. Um, really just trying to get the most out of every workout, the most out of every practice. Um, I'm sort of focusing on just having fun and being with my teammates and not really sweating the small stuff uh, after such a <laughs> like troublesome year. Yeah. Um, and I like sort of going forward, um, 
just sort of seeing like how how I could perform. Um, I am, of course, looking to qualify for nationals now at this point. Um, and I am sort of looking towards the future a little bit more now that we have a couple of races under our belts. Um, but yeah, it's really just been, it's really been about having fun, enjoying our time as a team. Um, you really just learn to appreciate all the small things so much more when you're torn away from them for such a long time. Yeah, what's your favorite part about being back with the team? What's been the best part about that? Just having practices with people, running with people, um, just being with my friends again. Um, the I love my team so much. They're my best friends. They're like just they're my group. <laughs> Everyone is such a character and I love them all so much. Um, and so anytime that I get to spend with them, I just I appreciate it. And they're just so supportive every step of the way. Everyone really is in it together. And we're all we're all just <laughs> we're all we're all just in this having a having a good time. <laughs> Then you only ran the 800 this past weekend. So tell me a little bit about um, what you observed in other races that Bobcast participated in. What were some cool things you saw? I mean, every, again, it's just seeing, especially seeing the freshman races. Yeah. It's really exciting. Like we didn't get a cross country season with them, um, not being able to see anyone race indoor. Um, and so it's just really exciting to see people, again, just like do what they love. And um, especially like watching seniors on our team who, um, are, I, I think they're just like appreciative that they get this, like this final chance. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's been a good time, especially like this past meet, a lot of people improved over their, over their first meet. Um, and so like, I know Vanessa, she ran 20 seconds faster in her 1500. Like that's a huge chunk of time. And like, just appreciating, um, how, how far, like how much of improvement that is, um, is, 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 I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's just, it's fun um, watching everyone else have good races too. Cause again, like a lot of us didn't, I don't think have expectations and a lot of people aren't really giving themselves credit for what they're able to do. Um, and so it's really, it's fun to watch people be surprised by their races um, and watch people succeed uh, despite, you know, everything we're going through. So. Great. Any thoughts on that meet uh, coming up this weekend at Tufts here? Um, just looking for, forward to another opportunity to race. Um, I, again, just really appreciating uh, every chance that we have to just put it all out on the track and um, sort of running every race that gets your last is it's kind of been the the underlying theme here. <laughs> so just excited to be on the track again. Excellent. Elise Lambert, our female Bobcat of the week. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. In men's track and field, senior All-American John Rex moved further up the storied ranks of Bates Hammer Throwers, launching a personal record throw of 191 feet and 6 inches to highlight Saturday's tri-meet with Bowden and Colby. Rex's mark moves him into ninth place on the team's all-time performance list. You know, ultimately, I think you have to be grateful for the opportunities that you do have, and you have to sort of seize those opportunities uh, while they're there and in front of you. And I think that's something that we as people struggle with and also uh, are victorious uh, in, in conquering um, every day. And, uh, you know, this, uh, this whole year, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful to have, to have PR'd. Uh, this past Saturday, and it wasn't something maybe a month ago when we were in lockdown that I really foresaw happening. I was up looking at the nationals list, updating them, and I, you know, it was quite sad to look at the list and not uh, see myself, you know, somewhere in the mix. And, uh, you know, a lot of these people as well um, who are uh, across the country are on the nationals list, uh, this track track and field statistics rankings that we use called TFIRS. Um, they appeared on there and they had four or five meets and to only have uh, had two meets and uh, get a PR out of it, uh, I, felt, I felt very grateful and very uh, uh, happy about that and pleased. And, um, you know, I, I kind of went into this whole year training and there was really no promise of having a season. Uh, I sort of found motivation elsewhere to keep training through the um, through the uncertainty and it just feels very fulfilling to uh, have it uh, be have it pay off and have to see see some results. So it was awesome. Excellent. So yeah, give us an update on that because I know the track some 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 folks will be going to Tufts this weekend. Don't know if that's you or not, but are you in a good spot for nationals right now? How's that kind of going from your perspective? Yeah, uh, Tufts this week. I think it's going to be a, a bit of a smaller group, mm -hmm. um, just because of capacity limits and 
So we have to start narrowing down people by events and whatnot. It's definitely a more abbreviated season than usual. Um, so th things are happening very uh, abruptly and very um, last minute. And it's just kind of how everything has been with sports because organizing, there's so much work that goes into organizing it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm ranked fifth right now in the country in D3, um, which I think is one of the highest rankings I've, I've been, which is really awesome when I think about the circumstance. Right. But it's funny, it's ironic because it's when all the odds are stacked against you. And I, I still think there's a lot more there and I, I'll be competing at Tufts and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I, I did, you know, it's bittersweet because, you know, I had a lot of really good practice throws in um, that week. and. You know, I, I didn't really put a, a throw together in the meet, which is why it's it's exciting and encouraging to still have PR and even uh, with a throw that I didn't really put together all that well. Um, so going forward, definitely just going to corner and focus on um, focus on uh, competing and competing well, and um, also encouraging my teammates to. Um, do better as well because there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really good things happening and uh you know even in the face of adversity so uh, it's really it's really exciting to see and you know one of my teammates um one of my teammates liam who's uh, yeah. on the bobcast last week he just keeps pr and keeps pushing me and i love that you know that's something that i had when when um d-ray uh, was around and i was a freshman it was really great to have a teammate that you know was uh beating you in events and pushing you. And I think I, I attribute a lot of uh, my success later on to, to him. And uh, Liam now is, you know, doing the same thing. And I'm super proud of him. And it's everything just, you know, everything comes together around this time. If you just stick to the uh, the training and stick to the lifts and um, sort of how I've been doing things in the program for a long time. So it's super encouraging, super exciting. Makes me very proud to uh, be a Bates thrower and see what happens later on as well when I'm uh, graduating. <laughs> moved on beyond Bates, but always have it in my heart. Great. Well, you, you took my next question almost out of my mouth about Liam because we did have him on, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, he, he's a sophomore. It was his first outdoor meet the other week. And uh, how have you kind of taken him under your wing as a senior, as a leader on this team? Yeah, sure. Liam came in um, his freshman year. Uh, he was similar to me in the recruiting sense, like not really – full-on recruit and I think sometimes those are the best the best ones because they got a little chip on their shoulder it doesn't really I always I always tell them you know and him too and I tell all the guys it doesn't really matter uh where you start but it's, it's really about where you finish because you know sometimes all those all those kids that you know had all the all the high school wins and all the glory and all the um popularity and um they get bored of it and they, they burn out in a sense. And I think that having longevity um, as a college athlete is, is even more important than having, you know, the natural talent or the experience because um, Coach Fresh, you know, with Coach Fresh's help, you you get that experience and you get that work in. And Liam has been uh, super, um, super ple uh, pleasing to, to, uh, work with and the throws, super coachable, super uh, hard, very, very hardworking, extremely hardworking, very committed. You know, he takes, he takes himself very seriously uh, in a, in a great way. Um, and he, he really doesn't make excuses for himself. He just worked super hard over um, the quarantine. It's just really motivating to have teammates like him who just, um, in addition to all the other guys as well, you know, we got John, Jacob, James, uh, Smitty, like we're, it's just a great squad. And I, we all get along so well and like just have like a great time at practice. And I think that really helps a lot as well, especially during times like these. And, um, you know, uh, going back to what I was saying about Liam, he's worked really, really hard. And he's, he's made ends meet when uh, they the odds weren't in his favor so um and then i think it's it's showing now and he's just he's just pring 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 and i and i really hope that he uh, gets the opportunity to qualify for nationals as well you know he's, i think he's uh he's not he's not too far uh, you know he's within he's within distance and i think it can be done i mean I, there have been crazier things that have happened in the program so i totally believe in him i totally think he can get there and that would be really great to share that moment with him as well at nationals and be there together and yeah it's really exciting <laughs> excellent well if you don't mind let's take us back to last year you were at 
indoor nationals ready to compete, right? And things just shut down. From that point forward, how do you approach things? How do you go about continuing to stay sharp? How do you, how do you kind of deal with it almost from a mental standpoint also, you know, knowing you, you know, that had, that was kind of taken away, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think my initial reaction was to just train through it um, and take it as a challenge. It was a very big challenge that obviously um, I, I mentally sort of relapsed in a sense after just ignoring it for so long. You know, there were moments where I sort of um, came back down uh, and realized that, you know, what what had been uh, what what had not been and what had been taken away in a sense by the uh, by the exogenous like effects of the pandemic um, and you know there were hard moments uh, there there are a couple tears in there and but I think it just makes those moments so much sweeter because I, I still trained and I actually like in a way the yeah it's sort of that that pandemic mm, back in March like the the big shock of the pandemic and going in lockdown, it sort of uh, gave me the time to revamp and re restructure how I train and also like my nutrition and how I think about, um, you know, the, my finding my, you know, sort of ideal body or physique for uh, my event. And um, yeah, and it allowed me to really like revamp and uh, focus on uh, the things that I never really paid attention to. And uh, I ended up, you know, there were some moments where I was kind of, uh, uncertain about whether it was a good decision but I think uh because I at one point I had lost um I had I had lost a decent amount of weight and then I was trying to build back muscle and like it was a little different throwing some of the other events especially the shot just because I was a uh leaner and like not used to throwing with you know my transformed body in a sense um but you know I think that's just all the more reason why you should always trust your instinct and trust your gut because uh, it's like moments like these which make it really sweet and like uh, I'm just really grateful and really excited that like um of just like the power of fate and just uh just really just really uh having trust in, in what you're doing and knowing that's you know finding your own purpose in it and knowing it's for a reason and um you know I I don't give up easily it's kind of hard to knock me off the plank so like um uh, I, I am very equally as grateful as I am, um, thrilled to like be competing and I I've been anticipating this. So, yeah. um, even though it wasn't, uh, certain, you know, I said, well, if it does happen, I'm going to wish I trained. So let's train, you know, let's, let's just do it. You know? And I, I'm also senior, like I'm a captain. I have to be there for the younger guys. Like if they didn't have me there, like, um, it would just be different, you know, like that, that's very disloyal in a sense, in my opinion, like I didn't have any particular reason to not keep training. Um, I didn't have, you know, I wrote my thesis in the fall. I didn't really have like uh, much going on this semester. Um, and it just made me that much more excited to like, to like leave as much of, you know, uh, leave as much of uh, my, leadership or like leave as much of uh, leave them with as many lessons in a way leave them with as many lessons and experiences as I could before I graduate I think that's super important I mean I, I have a lot of things to deray and like I just think about that like I wouldn't really be um the same person in a in a good way I wouldn't be the same person uh, without Deere and his, and his mentorship and I am him now I'm his I am a senior you know um, and so it's important, uh, for me because there's just so much potential in that squad as well. Like there's just so much untapped potential and some potential that's being realized. And, uh, it's funny because I was, I was talking to Dira the other day and, uh, he was saying, you know, like I was showing him some videos of the guys and now some training videos and just updating him, him on, uh, like what our squad looks like. And he was like, oh my gosh, these guys 
like Johnny, like you, you better throw farther. These guys, you're going to catch up to you if you don't like, like, he's like, you, you need to, you need to set the bar higher. Like these, you know, these guys are in way better positions than Deere and I were when we were first years, like they just came in with more experience. They came in with more expertise and they're slowly building and building towards something that I think is going to be really great in a new era of the program. And I'm very excited for that. And I will definitely be paying attention and, being vigilant as uh, as they progress through their careers. Terrific. John Rex, thank you so much as always for joining us on the Bobcast. Looking forward to seeing how the season pans out going forward. Thanks again. Thank you. Have a good one. The rowing teams competed against their opponents from the NASCAC East over the weekend with the women winning all four of their races and the men winning three of their four races. Both teams now advance to the NASCAC championships and head coach Peter Steenstra joins the Bobcast for a preview. Well, the rowing teams competing in the NESCAC championships this upcoming weekend on the Malden River. And we have head coach Peter Steenstra with us here on the Bobcast. And uh, coach, I know you race on the Malden River, you know, pretty much every spring, uh, but you've really gotten used to it uh, this year. What's, what's it been like going to the same place each and every week to compete? Well, first, we're very, very fortunate to be able to compete at all. Um, what's different for rowing as compared to some of the other sports is the way that things were set up. Um, you know, each of the campuses was like its own little bubble. And so we could go from bubble to bubble and keep everyone safe along the way. The problem with rowing is that there's literally one school that owns a body of water and that's Princeton University. So no one else has their own piece of water that they can claim as their own. Um, and the way that Tufts is set up on that little, they have a little tributary that leads into the Charles um, it makes for a, a perfect little piece of water that is safe. There's zero traffic. Um, there's very good conditions that, you know, all three weekends that we've raced there so far, it's been blowing pretty hard. And a lot of other places, they're not able to get the racing done. Uh, but we've had, you know, very, very good racing conditions. So between that and the fact that Tufts is, is able to host has been really, you know, a, a great thing for us because it allows us to even have these races. So we can't thank them enough for, for taking that all on. And we're you're certainly not, not going to get any complaints from me about the race course and how there's a couple little turns or a bridge or, or whatever the imperfections that there are of this 2K course, that the fact that we get to do it at all is, is a real treat. Wait, so coach, you tell me that Bates does not own the Androscoggin River? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> how has the training been on the Skog though this year? Uh, it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been a windy spring for everyone. Um, so we've been blown off the water a couple times. We've, we've been out there in, in less than ideal conditions, um, but we've managed to get some good work done. And, but, yeah, it's been windy. I think it's been windy everywhere, quite yeah. frankly. Well, and then the wind seemed to be changing. I'm, I'm looking at the times on some of these races. If they're dramatically different. Has it been shifting throughout the day? Yeah, it is a floating start, so you can't really say exactly where the start line is. It could be a boat length up or a boat length down. Um, as the the aligning judge is trying to get the two boats lined up just right, um, it could be a variation on where that start line actually is. Um, but the other thing is that because of the, the prevailing winds are kind of a cross from left to right as you're going along the race course. And then there are these huge buildings right around the thousand meter mark that, that create these swirling, twirling, you know, gusts of wind that one minute you're getting hit off the, uh, off the port side of the boat. And then the very next minute you, you take five more strokes down the course and all of a sudden it's a 20 mile an hour headwind. So a lot of really inconsistent squirrely winds like that, that, you know, the athletes just kind of manage and the coxswains do a really good job of maintaining a good line and communicating with the rowers so they can maybe predict when a gust is about to hit them and that it might be from a, a weird location. <laughs> like all of a sudden you're getting hit on the starboard side of the boat as opposed to the port side and, and there's no explanation for it. But. And then as a coach, um, I noticed obviously you shifted the lines around uh, quite a bit. I mean, there's some people who are locked into like the 1B and whatnot, but um, in terms of from a coaching perspective, what are you looking for each week in terms of making those lineups and making those adjustments? Because obviously it had been a while for the team uh, being on the water in a competitive environment uh, before the spring. 
Yeah, uh, even more so than that, there are people that we haven't seen row until we, we finally got on the water this spring. So having all these incoming first years, um, they, they're coming to us with an array of experience levels, um, you know, from, from being very new to the sport, to having sculling only, to having many years of rowing. And, and so you put all that together and, and we have so little information to base it off of that we have to use the racing as part of our system for selection. Um, the one Vs on both sides were, were pretty quick for us to figure out. Um, I had to, at the beginning of all this, I had to basically go with what we knew. And we're lucky, especially on the, the women's side, it's, it's quite clear at the, at the onset when you have four women that were in the varsity eight two years ago and four the other four were in the JV eight two years ago. So we have a, still have a boat full of people who are, you know, national champions, you know? Um, and then from that point on, we go for, on the women's side, you go through the 2V and the 3V and the 4V, and we really have unbelievably competitive, deep, and even <laughs> boats. Like we're out here doing pieces with 2V, 3V, and 4V, and, you know, the 4V will take a piece out of nowhere. And then the 3V will take a piece. And then, you know, then the, the 2V starts to dominate, you know, establish their position as, hey, good work, everybody, but we are the 2V kind of thing. So we, we have a lot of that that's happening. And through it all, we have to try to figure things out and we have lingering injuries here and there. And so we kind of pop somebody into the boat and it, it continues to go pretty nicely. Yeah, so for the women's 2V, I remember the first week, I think they lost to Hamilton in a race. And I texted you like, is that result accurate? Because I, I you know, I couldn't believe it, right? <laughs> but since then, they've won the, the rest of their races. So, what, what have you seen their growth in the two B? Yeah, well, we've had some significant lineup changes. I think from that point, now we have three different bodies in that boat, um, and then also kind of reconfiguring the lineup itself um, has gone well. So, you know, having um, uh, Alexa Bauerfein, who's a first year, she's one of those very skilled scholars who is going to pick up the rowing stroke pretty quickly. And so she found her way into that boat. She's a very strong person on the erg as well. Um, so it's, it's just a matter of that learning curve and to see what she can do with just some time in the boat. Um, and then just this past week uh, for this past weekend's racing, um, uh, Rosie Crawford made her way into the boat, unfortunately due to someone else's sort of injury on that, you know, it's unfortunate on that end, but when, when you have these situations and we have to make a call, then uh, then we go with what we've got at that point. And the men's rowing team, they've been going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tufts each week. It seems like that's a real big battle in the 1V, hasn't it? It's it's a big battle. It's fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and I think it's uh, more fun for us because we're the ones that are on the hunt. It might be a little less fun for Tufts because they're the ones that are starting to feel a lot more pressure as the weeks progress and we're getting closer and closer to them on uh, with each with each of these races um but we're really looking forward to this weekend coming up because clearly we've got a a, a tight race between trinity and, and williams on the men's side that are out there on the west western cat group and then we're just bearing down on tufts we're only you know 2.5 seconds behind them in this race yesterday so i think it's going to be a real Really exciting uh, bracket style battle for this championship next weekend. Well, I was going to ask, what do the men have to do in order to uh, qualify for IRAs uh, this week? Do they have to win? Do they have to finish second? What? How does that work? No, I, th I think that um, basically we've qualified at this point, being top four in the NESCAC okay. um, and all the Ivy Leagues that are kind of out of uh, of the IRA at the moment. Um, you know, they're it's it's not that they're fully opening the doors and saying, come one, come all. But the fact that these, these top four crews are, are showing some really solid speed and we still have another month to go before the IRA would happen. Uh, there's a lot of growth left to go. Uh, I'm not sure if Tufts is actually deciding whether or not they want to want to go to the IRA. So I think at the very least, the IRA would take three minutes from the next game. And then for the women, for NCAA is obviously the, you know, the rank number one right now. Um, you obviously want the auto bid, right, with the NESCAC title, but they, they should be in pretty good shape also, right? I think they're in good shape. 
um, regardless, but yeah, certainly two at least will come out of the NESCAC. Uh, whether or not they take a third, it's going to just depend on what happens out there with Liberty League or anything with WPI and some of these other schools that don't have a championship to go to. Um, so whether or not that can work out, I, I don't really know. Gotcha. Um, for the women, what are you most looking forward to seeing this weekend as they meet some of their NESCAC West opponents for the first time, right? Yeah, well, they're looking pretty strong. Uh, we're, we raced on two very different race courses. Um, so with, with where they were, so the Trinity and Wesleyan and Williams and um, whoever I'm forgetting, Hamilton, out there in that NESCAC West, you know, they're on that Lake Anoda. It's up in the hills. It's freezing cold water, and they had a pretty stiff crosswind and, but came away with some, some solid times, whereas we're on this very narrow um, river, so we are going against a little bit of flow. And then we have a variable starting line. So it, it's hard to say that there's any straight comparison uh, between the, the results. But um, and even then, the over, only overlap we have would be when we raced Hamilton, you know, three weeks ago now. Right. Or I guess Wesleyan raced Tufts four weeks ago. That kind of stuff is just forever ago. It's right. ancient history at this point. Um, but it, <laughs> I think either way, we're, we, it, there's a lot of unknowns. I think it's wide open and I think it's going to be some real good racing this weekend. Great. Overall, how have you seen the teams uh, adjust to this, um, to this odd season we're having? Cause you're, I mean, I, I talked to, you know, Liza Folsom, she said, I thought we'd never get on the water again. And, and they did and they have, and it's been, you know, quite a few races so far, actually. I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I, I lose a little sleep the night before we travel, knowing that everything depends on not just our 43 people testing negative, but then, right. The, the 43 from three other schools also testing negative at their various locations. And so once we get through that, of course, it, you're at the regatta site and it couldn't be easier, right? To have such a small group of, of athletes is, is really manageable. And all the parents and spectators have been great to kind of keep the distance and, and follow the guidelines that have been in place. So that's been great. Um, we're so grateful to just be racing. <laughs> you know, it, it's wonderful to just be able to get to where we are today. Hopefully we can finish everything out. All right, Peter Steenstra, thanks so much for updating us on the rowing teams. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. In other action last week, Bates tennis teams completed their seasons with matches against Colby, with the women falling nine love and the men falling six three. Overall, both teams finished their abbreviated seasons with records of two and two. The baseball team also dropped a pair of contests to Colby, one at home on Saturday by a count of nine to four, and one on the road Sunday by a score of 12 to four. But Bates gets another shot at the Mules this weekend with a road game Saturday and the second and final home game of the season Sunday at 1 p.m. Meanwhile, the track and field teams look to put up more impressive marks, this time at Tufts. And as we mentioned earlier, the rowing teams compete for the NASCAC title this weekend. We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bobcast. <laughs>